Jack Dorsey's response via Twitter to Elon Musk purchasing the company for $44 billion. The quote, and I read, is from the Radiohead song. Everything, everything in its right place, in its right place. Everything in his right place. Like, how freaking cool... Well, okay. That is... That's pretty fucking cool. Because, uh... Well, first of all, you gotta know. Like, Jack Dorsey is probably an acid head. Okay? And it's not always about the acid, okay? Let's, let's be real. But, uh... It is very... Like, to, for... For a CEO, former CEO of one of the biggest tech companies ever to quote a Radiohead song is like not typical. Um, so it kind of gives a, it kind of, it kind of gives a glimpse into, um, the inside of this guy because looking at Twitter at a, at Facebook, I see like I have an account, but I've never, I think I've put like one post like back in two. 2016 what six years ago so I don't really I I understand it but I don't partake um just because I'm just I don't know that's a whole other that's a whole other avenue I can go down but but in a subsequent in a subsequent reply like I guess people are freaking out about it and I don't get it like I gotta ask my my you know my my mom my mom's kind of like I think she's kind of an, on the on the lefty side of all this, you know. Like she's kind of built up a little, a little uh, grievance with old Elon uh, for whatever. I don't know, you know. Again, this is the these are the times we live in. You know, up is down, black is white, left is right. You know, um, the the GOP is backing Putin for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know. I'm not really looking into it that hard, but you know. Um, so all of a sudden you get this guy, Elon buying, buying Twitter out, which is just basically like a mental asylum, like Twitter from by all accounts is like, it's basically like an asylum where, you know, it's like the inmates are throwing their shit at each other is all it really is. And then there's arbitrarily like, uh, people getting banned, shadow banned, uh, it's hard to prove a shadow ban unless you work for the company, but, um, but it exists because, um, it's got, I think most would agree. It's got kind of a liberal slant to it. Like most tech situations do, uh, which I, I've always found like not, uh, not a thousand percent true. You know, there's exception to the rule. Isn't Peter Thiel like one of the biggest Trump donors? And he basically like bankrolls. He's a he's a guy that bankrolls like Facebook and all these other tech giants, too. So I'm not I'm not sure about that theory. But for the leftists in the country to paint Elon as some kind of conservative or right winger or ultra right or alt right or whatever the fuck it is, 
I think is a little off base. Uh, because in a, in another response Jack Dorsey had in regard to the whole purchase of the company he used to be the CEO of, he says, uh, Elon's goal of creating a platform that is maximally trusted and broadly inclusive is the right one, which sounds as though that's his, you know, he's talked about uh, using like editing tools, having an editing tool that exists. Um, something that's so large, some this behemoth of a thing that is so simple, so simple. Uh, basically just, uh, what is it? A one, it used to be a 140 character count. Now it's a 280 that, uh, all it is is just typing 280 characters into a box and hitting send. And it's just basically the consciousness of, of a society, of a global society, of a global conscience, consciousness. Um, so I think Elon Musk looks at this like this could be one of the this is a this is one of the pillars of 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 our consciousness in in, in society because it um it goes a lot it goes along a lot with I think what Marshall McLuhan said uh, there's a there's a really good quote by him uh marshall McLuhan was a canadian philosopher he died about 40 years ago but he's fairly contemporary um and he was a philosopher in regard to like the media and its relation with humanity and vice versa humanity's relationship with media and electronics and uh technology and he said uh one of his quotes he says uh in regard to understanding media uh, he says man becomes as it were the sex organs of the machine world as the bee of the plant world, enabling it to fecundate and to evolve ever new forms. Why, and, and first of all, don't use the word fecundate. Like, I don't even know why I'm saying that right. Why don't you just say fertilize? Enabling it to fertilize and to evolve ever new forms. But what he's saying is, man, we are the sex organs of the machine. We are the, uh, we're the, um, we're the we're the visceral uh, muscle and sinew of the cold electronic electrons and technology. We we are like the bee that is pollinating the flower. That the flower in turn, you know, gives life to everything else. You know, I mean, we're so. I'm sure you. Were, I'm sure you were aware how how important bees are to just our society like if the bees are gone we're done life as we know it is is basically just going to crumple up and wither and the same can be said for uh for us as a as a um society uh in the way we propel like i'll, I'll give you a, a an even more uh relatable example like my dot my youngest um last weekend she had to drive to the bay area from the central valley and she'd never like she's uh still in her teens she's got a license but she doesn't uh she's never gone out on the highways particularly by herself but um she has to figure out how to get comfortable driving 
on the interstate highways to go to the Bay Area because the end of May, when they get out of school, they're going to drive, she's going to drive her twin brother, my son, to um, the Bay Area to meet up with their grandparents to go to, uh, they're going to France of all places, they're going to Paris, lucky motherfuckers. And, uh, but I was asking, well, I texted her over the weekend. I said, how did it go? She said, it went all right. I said, good job. It's not that hard, right? And she said, no. But then I talked to her Monday and well, come to find out her little, her little Toyota RAV4, this poor little hand-me-down little thing that her older sister drove for years, just doesn't have it. It ain't, it's just, you know, it's, uh. I think it's a 98 or a 299. It's a, it's, it's another, my poor, oh, my, my poor 20 year old, you know, she just got a, she has a knack for picking some real lemons, I think, but in the, in the form of, um, um, disguises like reliable cars, like Toyotas and Subarus, right? Cause there's Subarus sitting in the shop right now, put it, getting a new engine, putting it, <laughs> putting it, but so she hands it down, uh, uh, Audrey, Audrey's got, uh, she can't even, supposedly she's flooring, she's got the pedal to the floor, she's she's redlining this thing, and it's putting along at about 60 on the highway, so, so it's really not, I don't know, I'm not really, tr- I, I don't, I don't quite trust it, but she made the trip, she said, I don't know, she said she needed navigation, though, that was the interesting part, okay, the interesting part is, the reliability of technology, because my lady does the same thing. She she will plug in the directions to the end of the alleyway, and uh, so we are and and it's very reflexive. the 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 need for a navigation system, and it goes way back, you know, to the early, you know, the Tom Toms and the uh, what was the other ones, the the Garmins, and all those. All of a sudden, it was like this big novelty, like oh shit, we got this. Uh, navigation system and we got it it's so cool it's so cool it tells you everything it tells you where the tells you where the gas stations are even it tells you where restaurants are blah 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 when before like of course i'm explaining as i'm talking to my youngest uh, uh i think it was on monday i was like uh, you know back in the day like if i was going to san francisco i'd just kind of point my car i'd aim it in the general direction of where i thought san francisco was and i just drive until i hit it and it's just beyond so beyond her comprehension it's it even it's kind of even beyond my comprehension like how did i fucking find san francisco i mean it's a big town but it's not that big and uh from sacramento from the from the central valley shoot but we we found it i don't know i mean i've been lost shit i've been lost so many times i get like back in the day when i was in high school i used to get lost downtown i'd be going to like proms and shit and i'd get lost and, um, but, but we, uh, as the, as a society, we have evolved and technology has been kind of working in lockstep with us and one relying on the other, um, and vice versa. So what I mean by that is, okay, so early uh, you know an early form of technology say would be a road like paving a road creating a road because back in the day shoot you know when i was work when i was selling cars when i was working for nissan i wanted to i wanted to break the land speed record from coast to coast i wanted to see how i could do it 
which is like the record now is like 47 hours or some some crazy shit and uh, but the very first person that ever set the record this was back when it was like model T's and uh, you know like model A's and model T's yeah driving over dirt roads so the dirt road so to the very first person to ever drive coast to coast to set the record was driving over mud and dirt and gravel so it took him like months like like I think it took him a few months a couple months two or three months so the technology then steps in and uh, basically you pave the roads you create roads so now the technology has advanced so now we've literally laid the groundwork for directions because now we got a road that road is going to have veins that and, and uh, tributaries along this road system the highway system that's going to take you to different parts of s- different cities and different states and so you have to you know as you plot along in life, then the new technology becomes like roadmaps, Thomas guides, map books, which is what I was using when I went to go f- to San Francisco or wherever, Tahoe, Colorado. Um, should I used to just drive to Colorado without a map? I don't know. Just aim east, right? Fuck. <laughs> and so, so the technology then became... Uh, at a, at another at a, another point in the is the advancing te- technology in the automotive industry advanced that then became we have navigation systems. So the navigation system then was created based on the technology that we created in the roads and the paved roads, and then um, it fit kind of worked. It worked like I say in lockstep and hand in hand. But then we got reliant now. So. Now we rely on technology. Now we rely on roads. You know, if you're off-road, you're off-roading. You're an off-roader. You're in a Jeep. You're in a truck. You're, you know, you're going, uh, you're, it's, a, it's, some, it's a novelty now. And so if you're going to use the highway systems now, by default, typically, you're punching in coordinates on a navigation system. I don't care who you are, where you are. It's very rare. Very rare you see somebody that's not using navigation. So we are... Nah, so we were the... We were the worker bees that contributed to that road paving system that... You know, created the necessity... That necessitated the navigation. So... Are we or are we not the, the, you know, like I was saying, the, the, you know, the sex organs of the machine world? We're the ones that create it and, and we're the ones that give life to it. And then, the, and then that life becomes a life of its own. The navigation now is like telling you what to do. Now it's like bossing you around. You got your nav system, whether it's built into your car or whether it's on your phone. It's telling you, you know, why don't you make it right here? You know, you could save. Hey, you want to save five minutes? Just, just hit yes just hit the button you know negotiate with an inanimate object have a relationship with an inanimate object isn't that where we're headed i mean <laughs> you know so uh but 
like I say, going back to uh, technology, I mean, the, the, the collective conscious, I think Dorsey's looking at, Jack Dorsey is looking at Twitter as this consciousness, this gigantic consciousness is what it, and, and, and it is what it is. It's these, all these little neuro pathways that are digital. But now that, yeah, they're now they're digital pathways that are, excuse me, that are all kind of feeding into this mainframe, this main brain, you know, that's now become this dictatorial arbiter, arbiter of, of, you know, whether you, you know, whether you, you know, whether you live or you die. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Thumbs down! No, no, but people get, you know, people that uh, feel the need to contribute to the consciousness, to to the collective conscience and consciousness of of our society uh, are just cast aside arbitrarily by some, you know, what it's like as if... um, it's as if like the veins in your body, like look at look at Twitter, say, or the, the, the digital pathways as as neural pathways or as as blood pathways, you know, in a vein system that makes its way to the central nervous system and then the heart and then the pump the you know <clears throat> so right now the heart's pumping. But but in the midst of you know, the buyout of Twitter up until, you know, the last few years, it's been suffering like this, like a clogged valve, right? Like, it's just, uh, it's like, it's got bad cholesterol. It's got high blood pressure. It's kind of irritable. It's kind of cranky. It kind of spouts off here and there kind of shuts people. It just shuts people off at the, at, at its own mercy, you know? And, uh, I don't know. That's just the way, I don't know. That's the way somebody who takes a lot of acid would look at it. And I think Jack Dorsey does take a lot of acid. So, but, um, I don't know. That's one of my subversive theories. <laughs> and what, it, I'll, and it, I, I, you know, I guess maybe a better way of looking at it, maybe even a more substantial or a quicker, a funnier way of looking at it would be like, did you see Ghostbusters 2? Not the one that just came out. Which I don't know. Did any, I don't? Did that ever come out, or did I? The one with Paul Rudd. I didn't see that one. I don't know. But the one that the 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 second one that came out like in '88, like four years after the very first one, which kind of sucked. But they were just kind of playing off on. They were kind of riffing on the success of the first one. So it's the same guys, you know, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and uh, uh, oh God. He's Ernie Hudson. That's his name. So um, they all get back together, but now they're fighting this ectoplasmic ooze that's in like the sewer system, and it's feeding off the vibes of the city. And the city is just tense. It's New York City. They're always cranky. It's always edgy. It's always short. They're always short with you. They're rude. You know, they they cut you off. They tell you what you can do. They're they're not. They're, they're you know they're. Uh, they use, it's an economy of words. It's like, I don't have time for all this shit, you know? So it's just collective. So it collects in this, in this pink ooze, this, this ectoplasmic river of slime that's coursing through the veins of the city. And, and, uh, that's the, that was the premise 
And they, so they fight this gigantic ooh, uh, slime monster thing, or that well, it manifests itself in this uh, in this painting, this like uh, sixth century painting or something is being like uh, it's being uh, updated by um, by uh, Sigourney Weaver, who uh, I think my lady looks very similar to Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, same facial structure type and uh, curly hair too. I don't know, I tell her that. She doesn't believe me. She never believed me. It's unbelievable. But uh, but, but it's the same idea. It's this collective consciousness. The ooze, the ectoplasm, the pink slime coursing through the sewers of New York City is, this, is the tension. It's the culmination of, of all of these, you know. Because as you know, as a society, we're just getting, it's more and more tense, you know. Uh, you know, wages have stagnated, you know, only recently in the last year or so have, have the, have the blinds been... <clears throat> pulled over, you know, uh, taken off, you know, uh, pulled off covering our eyes as to the reality, you know, when every, when, when the public conscience said, I don't have to work at this job. I don't know where I'm going, but I don't have to do this. Like I just came out of a pandemic. I've just been locked up in my room, fucking losing my mind, losing my fucking mind for the last two years. And you expect me to go back to some job that I fucking hated? Go fuck yourself. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm not going there, bitch. So, um, so all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, it's a thousand dollar bonus to work at Jack in the Box. You got $18 an hour. Like, oh, now there's money. Ah, so we've been lied to. So as usual by, you know, the powers that be, the corporate America, typical people, the people that were run, that were running Twitter before, now before, before Elon's taking it private, thank God, you know, don't have to answer to these fucking scumbag, these blood-sucking leech corporate board of director bullshit weasel scumbags. And um, so where was I going with this? I don't know, but people have been locked up in their house. Oh, so... So one thing I've been, um, well, let me, let me back up. So, so the theory, I guess, is that, um, reality isn't what it seems. Okay. And, um, so we're just trying, I think we're just trying to integrate humanity into electronics. If that's. Mm, not too, not too much of a stretch, right? And um, <clears throat> one thing that uh, I'm, I've been morbidly curious about is basically like uh, just these subversive theories about what's really going on. And, uh, there's two things I wanted to kind of touch on. One is, well, first of all, this ASMR, is it, am I, am I last on board on uh, my last, my last to get on with this ASMR thing? Like it's, 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 uh, it's very fascinating. Um, I don't know what to make of it because it just popped up in my, in my feed, right? And, uh, oh, that's where I was. Okay. So that's what I was trying to figure out. So ASMR, this is, 
is this thing that I've noticed in my YouTube feed. And it's an acronym for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Or Autosensory Meridian Response. Autonomous or Auto, whichever you prefer. And it's designed, or the idea... The concept is that um, the meridian response must be the what they indicate as the tingling sensation that usually begins on the scalp and moves down the back of the neck uh, and upper spine. Um, a form of what this, it's called paresthesia. Like anesthesia, but it's paresthesia. Uh, compared with auditory tactile synesthesia right whatever that is okay uh but it signifies okay so the uh, the the <clears throat> autosensory meridian response signifies the subjective experience of low grade euphoria so it's kind of like a yeah it's a euphoric it's kind of yeah it's this ethereal feeling you know like i guess you get it from say music you know it's one thing is like, I know I get, there's certain songs that just put you in a state of mind, right? But this goes beyond that. Um, and it's characterized by a combination of positive feelings <clears throat> and a distinct static-like tingling sensation on the skin. Uh, most commonly triggered by specific auditory or visual stimuli. Uh, and less commonly by uh, intentional attention control so this whole so there's a whole genre now um a video is intended to uh induce this asmr right and uh there's like 13 million of these videos on youtube so um uh, it's usually precipitated by stimuli referred to as triggers and the triggers are most commonly auditory and visual. So um, they may be encountered through the interpersonal interactions of daily life. Uh, it's often triggered by exposure to specific audio and video. Um, and the media, this is again, now we're talking about, so, so the media now is kind of feeding back into the uh, collective consciousness. So the media is now, um, I, for lack of a better term, f paying paying dividends to the, uh, the worker bee, sex organ, uh, sex organs of, to the machine world that we are. Okay. So, <clears throat> so, so, Certain examples say the stimuli that can trigger this are like listening to softly spoken or whispering voice, okay? Listening to quiet, repetitive sounds resulting from someone engaging in a mundane task, such as turning the pages of a book. Whoa. Uh, or watching somebody attentively execute a mundane task, such as preparing food. Which I did see. There's a video of of a of a girl camping. And cooking like uh, she was cooking like 
lamb chops or some shit. And not saying a word. But, you know, you hear like the breaking of the the kindling for the fire, the fire going, uh, the rustling of the leaves as she's walking around, um, the contact with the fire, the food in the fire. Um, it's so interesting. It's, 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 it's so in- semi-weird and interesting all at the same time. Cracking things, breaking things, ripping things, uh, initiating uh, the stimulus through conscious manipulation without the need for uh, for the actual activity, right? Um, Listening to tapping, typically nails on the surfaces, such as plastic, wood, paper, metal, hand movements. All this shit is so fascinating. It's so fascinating. And I'm really kind of at the beginning of all this. It's kind of, I'm at the infancy of learning all this. But, um, but it's definitely, it definitely trigger, it, it, it does incite a response. There is a trigger. You are set off. There's something, there's something that's, that you're reacting to in a manipulated way, right? So, um, so like this afternoon I, I was listening to, um, Mark Maron interviewed Tom York, uh, the, um, the front man, the main, the main guy in, um, Radiohead, who I fucking, I love, I fucking love Radiohead. And, um, but they're talking just about, well, for one, the primitive aspects of just like a drum circle, do 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 you know, the basics. You're going back to, and they talk about Africa. Here again, we're going with that. Like I just, you know, my 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 weird obsession, my weird recent obsession with Africa. But everything kind of come, you know, everything comes from Africa. It's the cradle of civilization. Everything comes from Africa, right? The very first human being came from Africa, somewhere like in where, like Malawi or something. And, uh, but that's where all the first beats came from. The beats, what is, I mean, the beat is so primal. It's a primal, and this is what they're talking about, the prime, the primality of the beat of the drum. Do, 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 So, and then your brain... Inevitably, inevitably latches on. Most brains, I mean, 98% of brains latch onto this a beat, right? There's people that just aren't into music. I don't understand. They're, psych- they're psychopaths, but I don't get it. Like, if you're not into music, I, okay. But, like, I'll bet you probably still respond. Your brain still probably responds, right? But that's where it all, the foundation, the building blocks of, of music came from the, primitive drum beats of African tribes, right? Well, that all evolved, of course, naturally, to what we have today, which, I mean, you know, in the spectrum of things, you know, um, the evolution of music has only really just kind of accelerated since about 19, what, 40, 30, you know, when Robert Johnson was you know, making a deal with the devil at the crossroads, learning how to play the guitar, the slide guitar, the, you know, 
Elmore James, those guys, you know, creating the blues. You know, everything kind of comes from the blues, right? Rock and roll came from the blues. Country came from bluegrass, you know. And then that evolved. And then that, you know, supposedly Elvis, you know, kind of appropriated that sound and turned it into what would be rock and roll. And then the Beatles kind of took it a little further. And then Radiohead came along and and they kind of deconstructed a lot of that. <clears throat> Started from the beginning, you know, put together a fucking masterpiece album called The Benz, their second album. Fucking brilliant, fucking masterpiece. Then after that, they did OK Computer, which is a fucking just... That, that an OK Computer was like the... Uh, that was the evolutionary point of their music, but you can see a distinct kind of a human timeline in regard to music because, you know, they're, they started as a guitar group. They are a guitar group. They're a guitar band. I mean, these guys are brilliant. These guys are all just weird, prodigy, brilliant weirdos, you know? And, uh, you know, Johnny Greenwood still, he's, 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 he does, st- I think, is he the one, that, I think he's the one that does stuff for like the soundtracks to like, um, he does the musical scores for like uh, There Will Be Blood, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis movies, Paul Thomas Anderson movies, you know, <clears throat> kind of on the same par as like Ry Cooter when he was doing the score for uh, Paris, Texas, you know, really just evocative, triggering. It's it's music that kind of puts you in a, in a state of mind, which is what it's intended to do, right? But in that album okay a computer it kind of went from them being a guitar band the first you know first few tracks three four five tracks and then crossing over that threshold into you know the new technology you know the digital stuff you can see the transition in that album and then the subsequent album kid a which i i lost i i got off that's where i that's where i stepped off that's where i stepped off public transit right there i, I got off the train i got off the bus you know I decided I wasn't going to, you know, be a merry prankster at that point, and I got off the bus. But Kid A went full digital, just full on, just straight away from the beats, away from the music, away from the bridge, away from the chorus, away from the guitars, and just went straight digital, which is by some weird, by some weird intrinsic kind of thing, evolutionary, musically evolutionary thing kind of took on this weird almost an ASMR type thing an ASMR type existence you know designed to specifically trigger responses to where we are now and how it taps into like my dad my dad has a he has aphasia he has what Bruce Willis has Bruce Willis has what he has my dad had it first okay finders keepers right and uh and he can't put two words together, but if you play, if you play a specific song, oh, he's on it. Boom. It's so interesting. It's so weird. It's like the genetics. It's like the evolutionary genetics that we've passed on through generations and generations stayed in our, in our mental lexicon. And regardless of anything, we can still... I mean, if you're sitting there, 
Say you're not, so you're just sitting in an office, like in a dentist's office. You're waiting for, uh, you know, to get your teeth cleaned or something, right? Which my son needs to do, that motherfucker. He's got 23 cavities. I didn't know he had that many teeth in his head. But uh, anyways, you're sitting in a dentist's office. <clears throat> and, um, you know, they're playing their music overhead. And if you get in on a little, you know, on a little number that's got a beat, you know, you can't help. You can't help move. You can't help but move your ankle, move your foot. Tap your foot. Play along with it, right? It's so fascinating. So interesting. It just... It it compels you. It compels you, right? So... Um, it's just so invasive, like... And is, it, is, there one, is there one thing? I don't know. I'd have to go to, like... I gotta... Maybe, maybe Huberman's got a, some thing on asmr or i mean he's the neurobiologist he better that's now that would be a great topic for him to pursue i think that's like that's that's uh that's definitely an a dr andy andrew huberman topic is making that neuro transmitter response to asmr because uh because it kind of it, it kind of goes beyond even just music though too um there's there's like tactile stimuli um there's one oh let me see if i could hand movements uh listening to crinkly items Tearing paper, crumpling paper. Um, it's so, and it, it, but it's designed to come. It's designed obviously for anxious minds, you know, to kind of, to kind of calm, to to be calm, and um, there's, and it, it just it comes in every form. There's people that are. Like I, it's like there's some AS, like playing with slime, like that little, you know, like that little putty slime shit, um, squishing clay, um, breaking eggs, cracking stuff is tapping into some strange connection that's just been just been um, implanted in our heads at some point, right? I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. Um, it's all in your mind. It's all in your mind. It's all in your mind. So my other subversive theory is this, that the movie Grease at the very end when the car takes off and they're going up into the sky, that the reality is that Olivia Newton-John died in the beginning of the movie. She drowned on the beach when she met Danny Zuko. And this is an actual dream sequence. And the whole thing was a dream. The whole thing was a dream. <laughs> so what do you think of that? I'll bet you never heard that theory. Or maybe you have. It's a weird one. But, uh, yeah, if you remember the movie Grease, which was huge, it was like, what was that, 78? So I was like seven. 
I remember seeing, I think I saw it at the, th- I'm pretty sure I saw it at the theater. I saw it at a drive-in. And, uh, you know, again, it's like one of those, one of those movies, you know, where like, it's kind of like one of those high schools where I want to go, I want to go to a high school where people like haphazardly break into song. Right. And then they just stage this perfectly choreographed little, you know, three minute number about, you know, talking about what you did last summer, you know, and so, and then you're choreographed into some brilliant, you know, uh, fucking, uh, lockstep kind of line dance weird thing with like you know 60 other students who um are all actually about (laughs) 32 years old right but uh that's the high school i want to go to right is that so wrong but but in the end if you remember okay so the moral of the story is okay so sandy is like uh you know this uh, you know she's this prudish little australian girl who uh, somehow ends up in um, the U.S. and over the summer meets John Travolta, Danny Zuko, and they hit it off, and they're at the beach, and they're frolicking on the beach, you know, in the beginning. And then uh, they, summer's over, they go to school, they go to, they start high school. And, um, <clears throat> and then they become reacquainted because they didn't realize that they uh, were both going to ride L high. And... Danny's from the wrong side of the tracks, bit of a thug, a little tough, kind of a tough guy. And uh, she's, you know, squeaky clean, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, you know, the whole routine, the whole song, the whole sequence, you know. And, but in the end, the moral of the story is you got to kind of slut it up, right? She becomes like a little slutty thing, you know, and that's what gets his attention. And then they live happily ever after. And they go to the carnival, and then they get in that car that he was fixing up the whole time, and then they and then they literally like they 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 leave they 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 fly out like the car goes up into the sky. So the notion is the idea being that in the very beginning when they meet on the beach, um, you know, when he's singing, you know, you you you. Uh, you jumped up, splashing around, you know, summer sun, something's begun. Well, I think she drowned. I think she drowned. I think she died. And then she she had this whole kind of like, the movie was like a, a, a dream sequence. And then in the end, she's going to heaven in the car, right? So, and it, it could, it, I don't know, it, it could happen, right? But, <clears throat> but my ASMR, my ASMR experience, everything that's in my head is kind of triggered from the movie Xanadu, <laughs> which, which is driving my lady nuts right now because I can't stop playing the Xanadu soundtrack. Why? I'll tell you why. Because ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, yeah, that's right, technological whiz kids, Jeff Lynn and Bev Bevan, Bev Beverly, Bev Bevan, fucking did the soundtrack. Xanadu. And that's a, and, and I'm gonna tell you that there's something there's something going on with that movie, okay? And all the reviews that I've been looking at are uh, they're calling it catastrophically bad, and it was and, and it wasn't good. It wasn't good. But I'm gonna tell you this: it's my ASMR. It makes me feel good. It makes my head calm. But the premise to that movie is another. Another totally legit premise, right? So, 
this guy, Michael Beck, who was in the Warriors, the main guy in the Warriors, he plays this artist who paints album covers. That's his job, to make album covers for bands. Like, how cool is that? But he hates his job, and he needs inspiration. So Zeus's daughters, the nine muses, that are basically, you know, their images are graffiti painted on the side of this wall at the beginning of the movie, all come to life. They all pop off the wall, and they all go, uh, eight of them go help other people, and then Olivia Newton-John, the ninth one, goes and helps this guy Michael Beck. To uh, She's been brought to earth to basically uh, inspire him as an artist. And then she also runs it. Well, he also, well, he runs into Gene Kelly, <clears throat> the cla- you know, the old, you know, the forties actor, dancer, you know, the legend, Gene Kelly, it's Gene Kelly, you know, Dan- I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. Yeah. That Gene Kelly. So he's got this old building. That's like a, uh, it's kind of, you know, gone into disrepair, seen better days, you know? And um, he needs to revive it. He, he needs to turn it into a roller disco, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. So stick with me here. So with the help of uh, uh, Olivia Newton-John, who's Zeus's daughter, she goes by Kira. Her name is Kira in this, in this, um, in this movie. Uh, meets up with, with Michael Beck's character. His name's Sonny. And they come up with an idea to revive this whole, this whole roller rink and turn it into like the roller disco, right? So it sucks, but it sucks beautifully, and it sucks really bad, and it sucks awfully good, you know. It's one of those movies. It's like you know, it's so you 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 kind of know it's gonna suck, and but you, it's taken on kind of this cult classic type um it's kind of t- yeah it's it's a very it's a very cult movie it's a very cultish movie like and the reason i say that is because i said when it came it came out in 1980 so i was nine <clears throat> and then i had then after that there was like no trace of it like i think they burned all the copies and they set fire to most of the theaters that it played in and moved on with life. So when I got into college, I just, I, I had this weird kind of like, you know, I had this sensation, like it's this ASMR type vision. Like I wanted to see that movie again. And, uh, so I thought, okay, well, you know, you just go down to the, just go down to the local video store, which is the thing of the past, right? Technology, right? And, uh, the human consciousness has decided that blockbusters shouldn't exist anymore. Fair enough. But at the time, they did. So I went in, and it was kind of odd because I would go in there. This is about 1990, 91. And I said, hey, uh, I'm looking for a copy of Xanadu. And the, the guy behind the counter, like, he kind of looked to the right, looked to the left, looked to the right again, you know, to see if anybody else was in the store. He's like, what do you want with that? <laughs> right now, I'm like, wait, huh? So I was over, I was just over in the X section, you know, and then I saw no Xanadu, you know, there's no Xanadu. He's like, well, what do you know about, what do you, what, what, what do you know about this? I go, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I know that ELO did the soundtrack, 
you know? And uh, it's kind of borderline disco. It's got Olivia Newton-John. They're like, they're like, yeah, that's all you need to know, buddy. And then, they, and then just kind of like shuffled me out of there, right? With nothing. I'll leave you. You, I'll, 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 I'll run you out of here with nothing, man. Nothing. I came out, came out in, empty-handed. Everywhere I went, it was just, you know, like window blinds were shut, doors were slammed, locked shut. Like, what do you want with that? What do you want with that? Like, what do you? What's going on? What's really going on? So it took forever, forever. And I think it took another year or so. And finally, I came, when I came back to school the following year, my buddy Jonathan had a copy. I'm like, what the hell? How'd you find that? He's like, don't, don't ask. You don't, you don't want to know. It's not important. It's not important. You know, it's like one of those deals like where like, you know, you know, like spousal abuse situations, you know, where like, you know, she's like, I, I fell. I just fell. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and, uh. And, uh, so we watched it and it was horrible and I loved it and it was weird and it's a horrible movie and it's a cult. It is a, oh, it's definitely cult. That's the only thing it can be. Um, but that's kind of my ASMR, right? Um, it's just the whole notion of just, just things that are going on in your head, right? Things that are existing above and beyond your control, right? Things that were just meant to happen like this collective consciousness of society, of the digital society of, you know. So, and I guess another, <clears throat> well, I watched the, uh, I watched the fifth installment of Moon Knight and it's really del it it just it seems as though everything is about delving into the collective conscience or consciousness of humanity as we know it because now we got now supposedly Stephen Grant who is also Mark Spector uh are well, Mark Spector, suppose, or well, they do. They basically do some. They go back to. Uh, they really delve into Stephen Grant's upbringing and how. Um, the backstory is that he had a younger brother that. Um, that had died. Accidentally, while he was kind of, while Stephen Grant was kind of. Uh, it was on his watch. He had to take his little brother somewhere. They went exploring into a cave. And it looks as though he kind of... It was a drowning incident. <clears throat> and his mother just had a breakdown. And then she didn't know how to handle it. And she took it out on a young Stephen Grant. And she was never the same until she died. And then he didn't go to the... He went to... He, he stayed... Uh, on, he stayed outside the funeral stayed outside of the service, didn't really participate. And so the manifestation of Mark Spector, it seems, has come into, is, 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 is created, it's an, they've, they've created an identity. Mark Spector is an identity of Stephen Grant. Stephen Grant created this other 
this other person in his head. And so when he, when Mark Spector gets shot by, uh, what's his name? Arthur Harrow in episode four, then basically it looks like they've gone into the afterlife and Stephen Grant goes, oh, uh, they're on the ship that's kind of going through the Egyptian desert, right? It's always about Africa, Egyptian deserts and weird mental mindscapes and I think everything's in this guy's head too, though, because Stephen Grant gets knocked over the side. He gets, it's kind of this no man's land. It's kind of a Frank Heber, uh, Herbert's Dune type situation where you don't, you avoid the sand at all costs because you'll turn to stone. Like the yellow song, I turned to stone when you were gone. I turned to stone, boom, 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 turn to stone. When you're coming home, I can't go on. And, uh, so we're left at the end of uh, episode five, <clears throat> looking as though S- Mark Spector has shed the extra personality of Stephen Grant that may or may not have existed in his head. So everything's in your head, man. It's everything. Everything is in your head. Your collective conscience, your collective consciousness. I mean, it... it uh, for all we know, this whole episode is in your head. This whole podcast is in your head. This whole day is in your head. You know, this whole life could be a simulation for all we know. We're looking in on simulations that are looking in on simulations. But uh, they got one episode left on Moon Knight, and they better wrap it up pretty good. Because I'm, you know, for a Marvel show, for a Marvel comics show, I need more superhero action. I need more capes. I need more fighting. It's a lot going on from the ne- from the neck up in these shows in Greece, Xanadu, Moon Knight. I mean, it's all between your ears. Everything is between your ears, you know. And uh, so that's all. I mean, the the. the it, it's all, maybe in some weird subconscious way, it's all, we're all part of this whole, like Marshall McLuhan said, we're all this, we are this, you know, man becomes the sex organ of the machine world. All we're doing is feeding the machine, feeding the machine, because what's on, what's, what's on the forefront? What do we got? What do we got coming up? What are we doing? Every time you log into some you know, you log on to your DMV account. If you log on to your AT&T account, you got to pick out the stoplight in each picture, right? You got to pick out the sidewalk, the crosswalk in each picture. You got to pick out the bridge. You got to pick out the fence in each picture, right? What are you doing? You're training a computer. We're doing, we are telling artificial intelligence what is, we are the, we are that sex organ we are the li- we are the live tissue that's turning the computer world into artificial intelligence we are training it we're telling it what a stoplight is what a sidewalk is what a fence is every time you log into your T-Mobile account you know the truth is out there folks
<laughs> I don't know, man. I went on a little tangent today. It's all good, though. So, that's about all I got for today. Just kind of been stuck in my head lately. And I can't get it out of my head. No, I can't get it out of my head. Now my whole world is gone for dead. Cause I can't get it out of my head. Oh no, no, no. I'll talk at you later. Arrivederci, baby. Thank you.